0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Milk and Meat podcast. It has been a while. I took a break because of classes that I'm taking and I'm just going to be putting out this content in seasons. So you will have an episode for once a week for the next six to eight weeks, and then there will be a little summer break and I'll come back in the fall. I'm really excited about today's episode. We are going to be chatting a bit about Easter and a bit about marriage and the resurrection in marriage. It's really, really cool. Um, My husband has a YouTube channel and he recently interviewed me for his channel. It's called Cross-Eyed. If anyone's interested, I'll link that in the show notes too. Um, So we talk a bit about marriage and what makes a healthy marriage and whatnot. I share a bit about what my definition of marriage is and I asked him a few questions. He was caught off guard. He wasn't expecting me to interview him in the process. And um, then I've got some questions for him around the resurrection um, and how it brings hope to marriage. But what I want to do is start with this comparison of clean baby Jesus on Christmas Day to bloodied, dirtied adult. Crucified Jesus on Good Friday, and and I'm going to share a bit about that from the perspective of Mary. Mary has been on my mind these last couple of holidays and whatnot, and so I hope that you enjoy today's show. Welcome to Milk and Meat, a podcast about the Bible, food, and motherhood. I'm your host, Nina Marie, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you're able to gain added skills and tools that you need in order to take control of your health, the health of your family, to eat delicious food that nourishes you, and that you may be conformed to the image of Christ. Let's dig in. So before I share the interview, uh, between Bryant and me, I want to share a little bit about this comparison or these parallels that I kind of like envision Mary considering as she is, um, at the cross with Jesus and seeing her son die. So here, here are some things to consider. In Luke 1, verses 32 to 37, before Mary is pregnant, the angel Gabriel is sent by the father to announce to Mary that she will be pregnant and that she's going to be pregnant with a son. And she's all, but how? I'm not married, I haven't been with a man. And so he explains about the Holy Spirit coming upon her. And then he gives her some. I don't know. You can call them promises. He, some prophecies about who Jesus will be. Um, And these are some of the statements that Gabriel brings to Mary. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign forever. His kingdom will have no end because nothing is impossible with God. Just think about all like being someone who is being told that she's about to have a son and this is who her son is going to be. And it's guaranteed that this is going to be her son because she knows the true God and she knows that what he says, he keeps his word. And so he's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. He will be given the throne of his father, David. These are all things that the Israelites were waiting for, were were yearning for, that he was going to reign forever. The people of God are waiting for this reign forever where sin is no more, right? His kingdom will have no end because there is nothing impossible with God, And then after Jesus is born, um, Mary and Joseph take him to the temple to be dedicated as was customary. And there's a man named Simeon there. And he had been waiting to see the son of the Most High, who he knew would be a deliverer and a savior to the people of Israel. And then he says some things to Mary about Jesus. He says to her, This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. A sword will pierce even your own soul. And then in Matthew, that was Luke 25 to 35, if I didn't mention that. Matthew, again, after Jesus is born, you have the three magi, the wise men who come. And they are, well, before they come, they go to Herod and they say to Herod, we are looking for him who was born king of the Jews. And I'm certain that they may have used this title with uh, Mary when they come to her and they fall to the ground when they come to her and worship him. And then they give him gifts, right? So these are all things that are surrounding her pregnancy with Jesus and then her delivery. Like they, She's seeing who he is going to be. He's going to be the Great, he's going to be called the son of most high. He's going to be given the throne of his father David. He will reign forever. His kingdom will have no end. He, will, he is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. And a sword is even going to pierce her own sword. And he is born king of the Jews. And these strangers come from afar and they fall to the ground and worship him, this baby, and they bring him gifts. So I'm wondering when she's standing at the cross, the foot of the cross, watching Jesus dying when he struggles to breathe he says he's thirsty and all of those things that were told her when she was pregnant and when he was born. And did these things come to her mind? Like, I was told he was going to be great. They said that they'll call him the son of the most high He's supposed to get the throne of the, of our father, David. He's, he's gonna reign forever. His kingdom isn't to have any end. And as he died, was a sword piercing even her own soul? That her son, her savior was giving his life for her. This one who was born the king of the Jews who had people fall to the ground and worship him was now being crucified. And so Mary was able to see two very distinct uh, responses, starkly different responses to the person of Jesus Christ, to the incarnate God, to the son of man, the son of the most high, the son of God, God, the son, the second person of the Trinity. Um, And she saw it on Christmas day when little baby Jesus is born and on in the Passover, when Jesus Jesus is being crucified, she saw that he, at his birth, he was both worshipped and sought after to kill. Remember, Herod was upset that there was this king of the Jews born. And he told the Magi, like, oh, yeah, let me know when you find him so I can go worship him, too. And the Magi knew better. Like, that's not what he wanted. And when he figured out he was tricked by the Magi, he goes and he has all Jewish boys are all boys in the Galilean area, uh, to and under And so they were able to escape that. um, The Lord, in a dream to Joseph, told them to run and flee to Egypt to spare them. And so you have these two stark, different, different responses to the person of Jesus. You have those who want to worship him and those who want to kill him. And the same thing happens at Easter. You have those who want to worship him because he is the messiah and you have those who actually kill him uh, those who deliver him up for murder and then he gives up his own life and i wonder while Je- while mary is standing at the foot of the cross does she remember when jesus was young and or when he was born and his body was naked and she tried to clothe him and when he was hungry thirsty, she fed him. So he had this naked body that she cleaned and she fed. And now she watches him as they strip him of his clothes and deny him food and give him vinegar to drink and made his body dirty with blood. And Mary was there when Jesus started his earthly ministry by turning water to wine, which was his first miracle. And now Mary is there watching Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry by shedding his blood, which is later symbolized by wine at the Lord's Supper, to redeem and regenerate his people, his most important miracle. Mary was able to see so much. I remember the time where she anxiously looked for Jesus when he was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 or whatever it said. Um, because he had stayed back in the temple. And after three days, they realized that he wasn't with their group. And so she goes back with Joseph and they find him in the temple and he's hanging out with the priests and the scribes and whatnot. And and Mary scolds him for not informing her (laughs) where he was. And Jesus was like, don't you know I'm in my my father's house doing my father's business. And here Mary is at the cross. She knows exactly where Jesus is, and she sees that he is still about his father's business. And Mary knew the story of Moses being lifted up, or Moses lifting up the serpent serpent in the wilderness so that the people of God could be saved when they looked to him. And here, she watched God the Father lift up God the Son in order to save his people from their sin. I wonder what it was like for Mary's heart in that moment when she had spent so much time as a young mother providing for her son, watching him die. And in his last breaths, he looks to her and then looks to the disciple he loved John and said, this is now your mother and this is now your son. And he was providing for her to ensure that she was taken care of when he was also taking care of her sins. And so on this reflection of what it is that Mary may have gone through watching her son die for her sins, um, it was a pleasant joy (laughs) to see these parallels of what Mary saw both at his birth and his death. And one thing is clear. She knew that her deliverer had come. She knew that the God of the universe who had promised that the seed of the woman would come to crush the serpent's head had delivered on that promise. And she had seen what that promise keeper um, was like. She was able to see his integrity and his compassion and even his righteous indignation at sin, um, and she worshiped him. She knew that there are only two responses to the Son of God the person of Jesus Christ. You either fall to worship him or you want him dead, and she chose the former, and I hope for you, whoever's listening, if, if you still have not decided I pray that you will fall to worship him because those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. The pride comes before the fall. And I pray that in humility, you too will be like Mary and the disciples and many since then who have chosen to worship God, the son, with that, let's go ahead and transition into the interview with my beloved. I
1: hope you enjoy. If you don't mind, let's dive right in and uh, unpack this a little bit. I hope this uh, episode is encouraging to those who are married and even to those who are aspiring to be married or are on their way to get married. So let's start off first and foremost by defining what we're talking about. What is marriage? What is marriage? You want me to answer first? Yeah, go
0: ahead. Um, so before doing this podcast, I've been thinking a lot about marriage and marriages that I know of. And as I was contemplating what marriage is, the definition that came to mind was that marriage is the single most selfish decision that people make that costs them complete selflessness for the rest of their lives to maintain it so lovely you everybody gets married because of what they want the relationship to become um it's for themselves and sure they want to love the other person but I do think that it's primarily a selfish decision like I I wanted to marry you because I really liked you it was about me liking you
1: Dude, you still like me that's the question
0: <laughs> um but it has cost me no comment selflessness <laughs> to maintain our marriage um it has cost me uh times where I needed to put aside what I wanted um and to ensure what you wanted um in various capacities so Marriage is a selfish decision that requires selflessness to keep.
1: Good, good stuff. It's, uh, it's a beautiful pa- paradox, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, if, if you were to, uh, I guess, compare it uh, by way of analogy to something, how would you, what would you describe it as? What is marriage like?
0: Um, so like your introductory statement, you called it a pot of soup. There's a lot of things that go into marriage, and depending on what you put in it, it could taste really good, or mm. it could be missing something, or it could be terrible.
1: <laughs> That's true. And to some degree, the, the skills of the, of the chefs involved play a role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you also have to have the right ingredients.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, So what are some of the ingredients to a healthy marriage soup? What would be some good ingredients? I would
0: also add that those ingredients have to be in the right amounts. If you have one ingredient that's too much or another that's too little, that could also impact your soup.
1: Great. See, you can tell that she's the cook and I'm not.
0: (laughs) But I'm sorry, what was the question you asked?
1: Yeah, what are the ingredients uh, to a healthy marriage soup? If we're gonna use that analogy to unpack our discussion around marriage, uh,
0: communication—that's one of the ingredients.
1: What? Why? Why communication?
0: Why? Why? You tell me. Why communication, baby?
1: See, there's <laughs> a good example of communication right there. <laughs> I asked the question, and then the question is redirected back to me. Um, and this is the selflessness part she was talking about <laughs> earlier, I guess. Uh, but before before I unpack communication a little bit, I, I did forget to mention at least uh, add a little bit more to uh, the original question as to what is marriage. I want to just point out that uh, marriage is a covenant relationship yes. before God uh, between a man and a woman who love each other and who uh, selfishly have initially entered the relationship, as my wife pointed out, and who then have to selflessly live out the rest of the relationship now that doesn't mean we still are not selfish in marriage Mm -hmm. there's still plenty of selfishness there but there's also great opportunities to practice selflessness and it's a covenant relationship that we enter into um in which we make a a promise to one another before god and before uh, ideally god's people in the local church context Mm -hmm. and it's also uh it comes with many rewards Um, when we follow God's design, um, follow God's principles for marriage, and love one another as Christ has commanded us to do so. Uh, The Lord Jesus uh, Paul points out in Ephesians 5, he says that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and and basically how so in, in the fact that Christ laid down his life for the church. So the husband likewise is to uh, be willing and lay down his life for his wife. And then it says that wives are to submit to their husbands, to respect their husbands as, as the church uh, submits to Christ. So this this love and respect dynamic that we'll get into a little bit later. I guess you could refer to love and respect as the seasoning of the marriage soup. Mm. Uh, but before we go there, let's first... Uh, consider the the first question or the question following up the healthy marriage soup analogy why communication as one of the first ingredients um the question you, was redirected back to me
0: before you continue Go I ahead. think it would be helpful also to add that marriage is a picture of the gospel to the world yes. and so um understanding um to give an example we are married and many of those that we are know that we know are closest to us are not believers, um, and so we are conscious of the fact that our marriage is a picture before them, and um, our marriage is distinctly different from the marriages of family members. And I have heard time and time again about. The distinctiveness of our marriage from other family members. And so, um, marriage is this picture of Christ and his bride, and we get to be that picture living out in front of others. Um, So, it gets to be a testimony of the love of Christ for his people. Um, It gets to be a testimony of the love of the people of God for their Savior. Um, And that allows opportunities for gospel conversations or for evangelism and whatnot. And so um, I think it's also important to note that it is a covenant before the Lord between two individuals, a man and a woman, but it's also this picture before the world um, of Christ and his church.
1: That's good. Yeah. uh, Marriage is a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but we're basically highlighting some aspects of it. It is a covenant. It is a pot of soup. And it's also a picture, like you said, right, of uh, in which uh, we're able, privileged to promote the gospel by way of our example, our godly living, our love for one another, um, and our display of our love for Christ as well in the marital, marital relationship. So it is a picture of the gospel as well. Um, and, and it communicates Uh, that reality to some capacity perhaps not always verbally initially at least but that distinctiveness that you pointed out it may help provoke conversation as to why that distinctiveness is there to begin with and that may open a conversation uh, around the gospel in which we could further promote the gospel in conversation exactly and so why communication uh because that's where it all starts that's the foundation obviously without communication relationships die cannot um, be we have to communicate um and it is crucial to communicate and and this communication this is a, a broad category which covers many things so we have to communicate about a variety of things and i think this is the foundation um as to the remaining ingredients, so I guess communication might be one of those ingredients that we will have to use a little bit more of.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: in this marriage soup. So an anything, anything you want to add to that?
0: Um, communication's at the heart of probably the other ingredients to some extent. Um, it's necessary. It's a necessary base. So if you want to consider marriage as a soup. This is your broth, mm. like communication is going to be the liquid that's in that soup. It's gonna take up the uh, it's gonna be the most abundant ingredient. It's gonna be the first ingredient on your list. Um, can you tell that I talk about food a lot? Yes. Uh, so
1: are you trying to put it in a little plug in or not
0: at all So communication is necessary and vital. I think it would be like the blood, the lifeblood of a marriage um. And then to add to that, it's not just any kind of communication because you can have communication in yelling matches um, and you can have communication in whispers, right? So the communication itself um, can be good or bad. Um, And so understanding what healthy communication is and what healthy communication looks like for your marriage is important because it may not be the same for someone else's
1: for sure yeah you want your communication to be full of grace and truth
0: mm, yeah
1: um and so communication is one of those uh, I, I guess ingredients to a healthy marriage suit uh, what would be another ingredient
0: beliefs so beliefs would definitely be another ingredient what you believe about marriage what you believe about the role of a husband and wife um what you believe about the lord who he is um, the scriptures the church your place in the church all of those things like they can shape a marriage for good when you are united in those beliefs um and it they can shape a marriage for discord when you aren't or disunity Um, and who wants to live with a person that does not see eye to eye on things? Not that we see eye to eye on everything.
1: No, um, not at all.
0: All the time, baby. Um, but to say like on core values, um, I, I don't know how people can, uh, willingly go into marriages like that. Um, if you, if, if you're polar opposites on these core beliefs, the, the big human questions, who am I, what, what's my purpose, et cetera, then that can be problematic in the long run. Um, what is my role in this marriage? If you are not on the same page about what you will bring to the marriage as a husband or wife, then that that's going to be problematic as well. I don't know. Do you want to add anything there?
1: No, it's good. Uh, I mean, that basically covers it, right? I, it goes. This ranges from your worldview to just basic beliefs about everyday practical stuff in life. Uh, it, it covers every, I guess, area of theology, uh, philosophy, just, just all of that. Um, and so, yeah, the beliefs is, is is very important. This will be another important. <laughs> (laughs) ingredient in in a healthy marriage soup so knowing the beliefs going into it and and then even fleshing out those beliefs all the more in your relationship with your spouse Um, and this is why communication is huge because it requires communication to to discuss all these differences and, and even areas of agreement
0: would you could you expand on that a little bit like how do you um flesh things out in marriage
1: Yeah, uh, well, there there are things that perhaps I believe, for example, and I may have to uh, share that with you, and I I will have to explain how did I arrive at those conclusions, uh, why I believe what I believe, and then after sharing that, interacting with you and hearing your thoughts on that, getting your feedback, seeing if you agree or disagree. If you agree, then that could be something we can... Uh, further unite around and celebrate and and just build upon. If it's something we disagree, um, we have to see if it's something that perhaps we can uh, come to an agreement in eventually as we work it out, as we further discuss it. Or it might be a a case where sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. Um, And that may be the case in some minor issues. But like you said earlier, we definitely want to be on the same page and agree on, on the majors. Uh, So major in the majors and in the minors, we want to leave some room and have some liberty from for disagreement, if that be the case. So it just requires communication, hearing each other, listening, and and then uh, just going from there, I guess. But yeah, uh, let me redirect it back to you, since I'm the (laughs) one who should be asking the questions here. Um, So
0: you didn't know you were getting interviewed today, honey. (laughs)
1: i i kind of did there's no way to avoid it it's the nature of it um so so communication is one major ingredient another one would be beliefs uh what would be a third ingredient for a healthy marriage suit
0: um expectations and this is again where communication is important and even beliefs are important um what do you expect to come of your marriage Did did you grow up thinking you would have a spouse and four children and live in southern Georgia or whatever. Like how specific did you have your future planned out and what did you expect to come or to occur once you did get married and how soon after getting married do you start to try for children and like all of those kinds of things are big um, expectations that need to be communicated and even um, confirmed that you again see eye to eye. Um, like, what and also, like, what do you believe about those expectations and why do you have those expectations are also important conversations, in my opinion. Um, so, what do you expect? Why do you expect it? And do you both expect those things for the same reasons?
1: Yeah, well, it's a lot there to expect. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah this is actually could be a i don't want to say a deal breaker but it could definitely cause a lot of drama and headaches in marriage when people bring certain expectations as to what their marriage is going to look like what it's going to be like and then when they enter into marriage then they're disappointed or they, the expectations are not met and that could cause some uh, tension in some cases
0: yeah like the belief that you have of being a wife did you expect to be a stay-at-home wife all the time? Um, What if your spouse doesn't expect that of you? Um, What if your spouse expects you to work until you have children, if you have children, if that makes sense? And so those kinds of conversations are important regarding marriage, Um, definitely conversations that should be had before entering into marriage. Um, So again, like you have to communicate all of this stuff to each other. And sometimes the conversations can feel awkward because you're talking about intimate things like who I wanna be as a wife or who I envisioned myself or expect myself to be as a wife, as well as potentially digging into why those things, those expectations are held. So that would be the belief again, like why do I believe a stay-at-home wife is who I will be, or or why do I believe a working wife is who I be? Whatever your expectation is. Like being able to um, converse about it openly, I think is important. Your expectations should be to some degree held with an open hand um, and be able to define why those expectations are there.
1: Yeah, I mean, expectations could vary from uh, expectations about... Uh, your marital roles, mm-hmm. expectations about in laws, mm. expectations about having children and how many, and all of that. So they could even be academic expectations or mm. financial expectations or sexual expectations or whatever. Um, so, yeah, expectations, there's plenty of them. And I think it is important to discuss them to some extent prior to marriage, but even in marriage to continue fleshing that out and, and just having those discussions. So go ahead.
0: Can I throw a curveball at you?
1: Uh, No, I'm I'm not a good hitter.
0: (laughs) So, what do you think is uh, an expectation that can be difficult to manage?
1: Uh, Perhaps uh, let's see. uh, Like
0: children,
1: could be an expectation. Yeah, yeah. it's a good Uh, one. I know it's a delicate one, and and it's not for everyone. Not everyone is uh, able to have children. Mm-hmm. Although uh, adoption is an option, but even adoption itself is <laughs> not easy, or something that you can just go and uh, it's expensive. just pick up a kid. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it requires. It's a long process, and it's a lot that goes into that. And as beautiful as it is, it is it's very challenging to adopt a child, um, and so. Yeah, expectations regarding children, that's one. Uh, I think there could be other smaller expectations.
0: Like who does the dishes?
1: Yes, that's <laughs> an expectation. Or who throws the trash or, you know, simple minor stuff like that. But who all the little things. Yes. Who the toilet,
0: that one? Who's going to clean the toilet? Have that a, conversation. That, that is a crappy job. Before and, you get you know, married.
1: <laughs> now one, one likes to do. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, definitely a uh, variety of expectations they range from from ma- major issues to minor issues as well mm-hmm. so uh, moving on um, I don't, don't want to sit too long here because expectations uh, I, that's probably not what people are expecting on this particular question <laughs> you but
0: weren't expecting me to yes expect uh, so many questions you. <laughs> So, Brian, honey, do so anyway, you think that the next ingredient? Your,
1: continuing on with this, your episode, <laughs> I guess. Um, what, what other ingredients are there to a healthy marriage? So far, we've discussed communication, beliefs, expectations. What else?
0: Money, money, money. And for those who don't speak, Nina Marie, I was saying money.
1: <laughs> yes, money. Money uh, seems, uh, I'm not sure if this is currently the case, but uh, not so long ago, I believe it was like one of the number one reasons uh, why people got divorced.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, oh man, having a conversation about money for some people is difficult. I know outside of our marriage, I don't talk to anyone about our finances. Like some people are kind of weird about it. I feel like I might be one of those weird people who just don't talk finances with other people. Um, But it's definitely a conversation we have in our marriage regularly. Um, We budget, we worked to pay down debt. um, Like, and then there's also the expectation of what your lifestyle would look like, I guess. And so growing up, you you don't think about the fact that you have to work to make the money that you think you're going to have, at least I didn't. Um, And you envision a kind of lifestyle in marriage, at least as an American you do, or I did, I'll speak for myself, as as a Chicagoan, Nina Marie, thought marriage would look a specific way. And I don't know where the idea came from, but money is something that needs to be, um, understood. It needs to be managed. Um, you, I remember you always say, say, or have said that you want to master your money. You don't want money to master you. Um, and so that would be a like motto, I would recommend for anyone because you want to know what is, where your money is going. Like you want to honor God in your spending, honor your family in your spending um, and, and saving. And you also want to ensure that you are taking care of giving. Giving is also another really important thing. Taking care of your, your family, uh, considering the future, and home if you're owning a home like all of the things are really important when it comes to money um i had another thing i was going to say but i lost it so i'll let you talk until it comes back
1: sure yeah uh i just want to highlight that in marriage as it relates to money usually there's so usually you have a mm-hmm. someone who's more conservative <laughs> and someone who's more liberal with money um, not politically speaking, I know where you're going. <laughs> as it comes to the spending and, and the spender and the saver, or and there's a place for both. Uh, so just knowing yourself and knowing uh, where you lean going into marriage, I think is helpful. But even in marriage, just working that out and and having a budget, amongst other things, is very helpful. So definitely do your homework in this area. Don't just go in thinking that money's gonna come and and uh, you're gonna figure it out as you go. Although some people try doing that and and they make it, they make it work somehow. But just to spare you the headache, I I, I would recommend preparing in advance. Do your homework and and, and prepare for this.
0: So in our marriage, I am confident that I am the spender. Um, So for all you savers out there, husband and or wife, whoever the saver is, something that can benefit your marriage, believe it or not, is actually spending money because there are things or experiences that you can have with your husband or wife that comes with spending money that can enrich your marriage. Um, I'm not saying that it's necessary all of the time. Um, but I do think that hoarding your money all of the time isn't the healthiest uh, practice. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, you, got, you got to make money work for you. Yes. And, and, and you got to use money and spend money. Um, so it's just it's just a matter of uh, how you allocate and hmm. you know track and, and know where your money goes and so that's not all over the place so it doesn't drive you nuts and so that you don't lose track of it and just lose your money, and waste it. Uh, so just just be intentional and purposeful with what you do and how you use your money and and, and that does it that will free you up. I think having structure actually frees you up to be able to Is spend money well and to enjoy spending it uh, more freely having boundaries Um,
0: you know I feel like each of these ingredients that we've been talking about have kind of built on one another yeah you have to communicate about money what do you believe about it what do you expect of it or maybe just those those three like they may come up continually
1: yeah yeah you probably need money to buy all the other ingredients for the soup (laughs) Because weddings can be expensive, and 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 honeymoons and the like. But anyway, moving on. Uh, so so far, we looked at communication, beliefs, expectations, and money. What would be another uh, ingredient for a healthy marriage soup?
0: You want me to say it?
1: Sure, go for <laughs> it.
0: Your pre your intimacy in marriage is. A vital ingredient.
1: So by intimacy, you're talking about emotional intimacy? Or? <laughs> no,
0: baby. I mean physical intimacy.
1: Sex. Mm-hmm. Yes. That three-letter word. Yeah, so we're going to keep it PG. So we're not going to spend any much more time on this particular <laughs> ingredient. But sex is an important ingredient to a healthy marriage soup. And yeah, so we'll just leave it at that.
0: <laughs> I, I will say it's an ingredient you don't want too little of. That's it.
1: The more the merrier. All right, moving on to another ingredient to a healthy marriage soup. Communication, beliefs, expectations, money, sex. What else?
0: Your family and friends is really important. Um, How so? They, The community that you have around you um, becomes a support system. I remember for our wedding, we wanted to communicate that our community, our friends and family were going to be somewhat like a part of our marriage. Um, And the way that we did that in our ceremony was instead of just you and I lighting our candles and making the unity candle, all of the um, participants in our wedding had their own candles that they brought up to that same table to display that though you and I are the the ones becoming one and uniting in marriage, Uh, they would be there to like hold us accountable, to support us when things became difficult or uh, to pray for us, to, um, I don't know, uplift us, encourage us, exhort when we need exhorting, uh, correct, applaud, all of those things. And so um, friends and family are there in times when communication is difficult or maybe you have beliefs that now are, you're not on the same page anymore. And so being able to reach out to those people, um, one requires maturity, but two um, brings about special grace, I believe, that will help to sustain our marriage. So going back to my definition, like the community around you, Um, And submitting to a certain extent to them is one of those selfless acts uh, that you'll do in order to continue to keep and sustain your marriage.
1: It's good. Yeah. Although, uh, looking back, I I, I probably would reconsider using candles. (laughs) There was always that fear in the wedding ceremony that we're going to burn the church down. (laughs) And it also prolonged the ceremony a lot more. Yeah, Um, my feet were hurting. The idea was good. It was noble. We went for it. But we will probably reconsider next time around and find something else. I'm to sorry, take its place.
0: reconsider. I don't plan on getting married again.
1: Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I, I, could, I could only handle one of you. But uh, yeah, so family and friends—they play a big role. Obviously, uh, your, your in-laws, your, your your biological family, your, your spiritual family, friends. Um, surround yourself with a community of people that are going to encourage your marriage encourage you in your marriage. Um, that, that is very important. And we have seen the, the benefit and blessing of that and just to be able to share joy and experiences with with others. That's definitely enrich our marriage, I would say. So, what well, what would be another uh, ingredient, or if we could kind of, I guess, make this the last ingredient for now, um, so we could cap it at seven ingredients. So, so far we've uh, discussed c- communication briefly, beliefs, expectations, money, sex, family and friends, and what would be one other ingredient?
0: Um, I think if you are looking at a recipe this is one of those ingredients at the end of the list that have the word optional in parentheses afterwards. Um, So children, and the reason I say optional is because children don't always um, result from marriage. Um, There are people who may not be able to have children. And so this would be one of those maybes, uh, but they are an ingredient and they do help spice up your marriage to a certain degree they can they can add um special flavors to that soup that you've created
1: yeah they definitely can and children are a gift from the lord and we've been blessed with three little ones jude esra and phoebe Mm -hmm. whom we dearly love um and and it it also depends on as to when you have them and in our case Mm -hmm. we've had them uh after like three years of marriage we had had them uh almost back to back to back Uh, yeah yeah so jude is five he'll be turning uh six in october phoebe is two and she turns three in june and ezra is four he turns five in december so all pretty much back to back to back and uh, <laughs> it's 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 been challenging in some ways, but in in other ways, it's been a joy just to see them uh, having them so close in age and just to see them growing up together and the relationships they have and and playing together and all of that. It's been
0: there are a lot of beautiful fun. to watch. I agree, they're fun to play with.
1: They're a handful, but
0: <laughs> two handfuls. But
1: they're also <laughs> they're also really cute. and and, and dear to our hearts so yeah children uh, that's a a very special ingredient Uh, not everyone has has children uh, for different reasons uh, but we're speaking primarily of those who want to have children and are unable to have children I know what children
0: are children are the garnish the thing that you might add at the end of the meal to make the meal look pretty do you know what I'm talking about your Uh, listeners might know what I'm talking about
1: maybe (laughs) sure
0: they're a garnish
1: yeah although I probably would uh, give them a little more weight than that oh, and throw them in sweet. the actual soup
0: that's sweet I don't okay. want to
1: just have them as I icing mean, in the cake they're or decoration. a part of the
0: stew, but garnish is a part yeah, of yeah that's soup. true
1: they are they are floating on the top <laughs> of the soup. but yeah so children children uh, they've also um I would say have helped us draw closer to one another um because we need help <laughs> yes we need each other's help and they've driven us nuts at times and so being being able that's forced us to be there for one another to comfort one another in those <laughs> harsh uh, trials um but our children no,
0: are great okay they're not terrible
1: but yes and so it's just but they have just you know when you love one another husband and wife it's amazing but then when you bring in a third person fourth or in our case of fifth mm-hmm. um when there's five of us we're a, a family and just the love just is gross exponentially and we're able to just love one another all the more our love is stretched mm-hmm. and enlarged and i think that's a blessing in and of itself and the lord uses children to sanctify you to mature you yep. to grant you more wisdom yep um, to reveal more of your selfishness, uh, expose some of your sin. Absolutely. And and yeah, they just the God uses them greatly in in one's life, and vice versa, He uses us as parents to be a great blessing to them. Um, so it's a, a beautiful, mutual, relationship.
0: One of our former pastors, I remember, he described. Um when he with his daughter, like having his daughter, um, he said, your heart like opens up and bursts at the seams with love for someone else. And you didn't know that your heart could open up any further after getting married. Um, Beautiful. And, yeah. Well, so good. children just make your heart open up and love more. And you didn't know you had the capacity to do so. And so I I think it helps give us a picture even um since we're created in god's image at the capacity to love that the lord has um for his creation like it's abounding and and we have no idea how much it abounds
1: yeah definitely it's like a good picture of of uh, the blessing children can be in and what they do um, in one's marriage so those are seven ingredients uh, that I guess we would recommend to a healthy marriage soup. And now obviously we could maybe even do an episode on each and every single one of these to further unpack them, mm-hmm. but that, that, that will suffice for now. And so th- those are the ingredients. Now uh, what about seasoning? What is the seasoning for the marriage soup? What do you think?
0: So like what's the salt and pepper? Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, love and respect for one another. So love is obvious and respect less so uh for many however they are both necessary um and the degree to which you love and respect one another can make your soup taste good or taste bland
1: yeah that's good (laughs) seasoning is important more than people think right Mm -hmm. in cooking even Mm -hmm. um so yeah love and respect right husbands love your wife as christ loves the church and the wife is to respect her husband um as the church respects and submits to to christ so this is we both have to love and respect each other but um uh, men in particular uh desire and are seeking uh respect in different ways and in, in, in different relationships in life uh, throughout their lives um, men long for respect
0: i um, would add too that these are two seasonings that you cannot over season with like you can't have too much love in this soup or too much respect that now it tastes bad um, i actually think the more the better
1: yes Yes, the, the, the more love, the more respect, the better for, for everyone. Everyone wins, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the husband and wife both greatly benefit from that. So that's an important season to keep in mind and, and to continue to, and to even further study and look into and to understand that dynamic between love and respect in marriage. Um, so, yeah, any, any last thoughts, and comments that you may have? As we wrap this up, perhaps you could even, if you want, you want to try to summarize, uh, if you we were to uh, share with our listeners, a, a brief summary for them to walk away with and to help them remember uh, the importance of marriage and having the right ingredients for marriage.
0: Yeah, so marriage is this pot of soup and without the proper base and necessary ingredients and exuberant amount of seasoning, Spice um, it up. your soup will be something that you become dissatisfied with and don't want anymore. Um, and you may let get cold and no one likes cold soup. Well, unless it's gazpacho, but that's something different altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is necessary for you to take care of this soup. Um, you need to communicate well and you need to communicate in such a way that you are honoring your spouse um, and ensure that Your beliefs are on display and not hidden um, because there's the potential for problems there. Um, Talk about what you're expecting, what you expect your day-to-day life to look like or what you expect when big decisions have to be made, like how will those decisions be made? Um, Don't be afraid to under Uh, to like have conversations about money. I know there are some people who are just like weird about it and don't want to talk about it. Just make sure the bills are paid and whatever. Um, But that's not the most satisfying, I guess I could say. Um, Make sure that you have enough sex with your spouse. Um, Don't run away from friends and family, but um, ensure that you can like nurture those relationships. Um, raise up your children to fear the Lord and let them sharpen you. I think of, like my kids sharpen me now. I do things that I tell them not to do and they call me out on it. And so that makes me happy because my parenting's working, right? Um, also making sure that you love and respect your spouse throughout the entire process. Um, And so that would be my summary. Marriage is the soup that you have to take care of.